Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. The metaverse is really about letting us feel that we're experiencing moments when we're not together and actually sharing a space together. And that's going to be the next big shift that we're all going to play a part in. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's an extraordinary pleasure today for me to welcome to Good Company, Nicola Mendelssohn. Hard to describe Nicola in the amount of time we have today, but I'm just going to say that as the VP of Global Business Group at Meta, Nicola is arguably and has been recognized in in British uh, press as arguably one of the most powerful women uh, in in the tech industry. So it's a great pleasure to welcome uh, somebody as important as Nicola, but more importantly, somebody who is my friend. Nicola, thank you and, and welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. I am absolutely thrilled and delighted to be able to have this conversation with you today. Well, Nicola, first of all, you've officially moved across the pond. Uh, how's New York treating you? I feel like I'm having the most extraordinary adventure. I love this city. I love the people. I love everything about it, the buzz. And I'm just delighted that this is now my home. Welcome. I'm not the official welcoming committee, but I'm a Brooklyn boy, so I can welcome you to New York uh, by way of my uh, my own heritage. Nicola, let's start off. When, when Facebook became meta, I had a kind of funny comment in the press, which was someone said, what do you think? I said, you mean of, you know, meta, the f- company formerly known as Facebook? Tell me a little bit, if you will, about uh, the why. And obviously, whilst you have a new role, you were obviously very senior running EMEA and whatnot uh, during that transition. But tell me a little bit and tell our audience a little bit about why, number one. And, you know, if you change your name, that doesn't necessarily mean you change your business. But in this case, I think it reordered some priorities within the business. So I'd love to let you riff a bit on the why and and what does it actually mean once you just change your logo and, you know, change your business card. If if anybody carries business cards anymore, I'm not sure. But uh, I don't even know where my business cards are anymore. So that's something else I'm going to have to dig out when I when we all get back to whatever a new normal looks like. So we did change the name of the company. And I think it really represents a new chapter. And I think that's where you were going with the second part of your question, because the name Meta really captures where the company's going and also the future that we want to help to build. But it's not, I want to be really clear about turning away from our past because our mission hasn't changed. It is about now helping to build the metaverse and letting people to be able to connect, find communities and grow businesses. So that's the same things we've always been doing, but we're going to have new and more immersive ways of actually being able to do that as we go down the road. I think if it, it's also fair to say there was some confusion. There was confusion by having a company name sharing a name with our biggest app. And, and that was fine. You know, when we first started as Facebook as a single app worked nearly 20 years ago. But today, our, our company is more than just one brand and one product. So, you know, very much from a brand architecture perspective, it actually makes sense to be able to separate out our company from our largest app and 
bring all of our apps, all our technologies under one new company brand, Meta. And then the final area is really about, you know, reflecting on the future that we're building towards, which is, you know, implicit in the name Meta is about going beyond. And it's really about going beyond what digital connection is today to where it's going to be uh, in the future and really signaling what we think the vision of the company is going to be going forwards. And, and, and Nicola, you have an educational challenge, and I don't mean necessarily for you, although we all do. And you and I talked about, uh, you know, going back to school together potentially on, on, some, uh, 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 on some basis because we all have to learn. You know, I liken this to 20 years ago when I started MediaLink a little less than 20 years ago, but we were coming off dot-com. And I had had an 18-month period in my life where I was in a covenant not to compete. And I'd used that time to steep myself in all things dot-com, different period. And because I wanted to be more conversant than just at a cocktail party. And, you know, I didn't want to be somebody who had previously run a large media agency. So my calling card was I ran a large media agency. I wanted to be somebody that was current. And if you're somebody that desires to be current today, you need to have an education on what the metaverse means. You know, I, I, I know that I don't know enough, so I'm going about learning. You know that with your partners, and, and you don't look at, at the people you do business with as clients, I know this because it's ingrained in you. In fact, I think your previous title had partner in it. I mean, you know, you, you look at the folks you work with as partners, whether it's SMB or large multinational advertisers, people need to be educated. Can you give us a start and kind of talk about what does that mean, the metaverse? What are we, what are we talking about when we say it so that we level set? Is that a fair and open-ended question? It certainly is. And it also speaks to why I absolutely love the job that I do, because for the last eight and a half years at this company, I have learned something new every single day. And now my learning is in another kind of massive hockey stick of learning, because what is the metaverse? I'm thinking of it as a set of digital spaces, and that includes immersive 3D experiences, and they're all interconnected, so you're able to easily move between them. And it lets you do things in the physical world with people that you can't physically be with. And it's going to feel, I think, like a hybrid of today's online social experiences. Sometimes that they'll be expanded into three dimensions or you know, projected into the physical world, but then seamlessly stitched together so that you can easily jump from one thing to another. It really is the next evolution in social technologies and also the successor to the mobile internet. You know, the metaverse is really about letting us feel that we're experiencing moments when we're not together and actually sharing a space together. And that's going to be the next big shift that we're all going to play a part in. And when you say that, you know, the solitude that we all experienced during the pandemic when we weren't interacting and we've all heard what the impact has been on children that, you know, most acutely that, you know, the, the lack of social interaction and the lack of being in class and engaging with friends. We're, we're, we're veterans. We missed it, but we adjusted. When you think about the impact it's had and, and what psychologists are saying the impact has been on children, are we, as we enter the metaverse, is that taking the place of IRL? Is that taking the place of in real life? Definitely not. No, nothing beats being together in person. But Look, there is a reality. We do spend time in front of screens, different types of screens. And when we can't be together in person, 
what the metaverse does is get us together even closer to feeling that we've got that in-person connection. And it's a quite a hard thing to describe if you haven't actually tried it. So some of the things that I've been doing, I'm making sure that in my leadership meetings, that I'm actually spending time in one of our products, Horizon Workrooms, every week. So we're we're coming together. My current setup has uh, my my kind of conference room has the looks like the Alps and a beautiful lake all together because that's kind of gives me pleasure to be able to look. And I keep changing the art because you can keep changing the art by clicking your fingers and having some fun with it. But the wonderful thing is, is that when you're sat around this virtual table, albeit as avatars today, and there's the opportunity for people that don't have the headsets to be able to come in um, on, you know, through video conferencing, it feels so much different than just doing it across the screen. Why? Because where the sound takes you to where the conversation is exactly like it does in real life. It's amazing. And so you do feel closer. You can brainstorm. You can whiteboard together in the way that's really hard to do when you're just looking at somebody else through a, a flat screen. Did you participate when we did the 2020 version of Can Lions and we had that that uh, metaverse-like event where, um, you know, within the context of it, you would follow the people and you could actually go have conversations. You could actually be in the room when we were all virtual and we were all on a, 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 in the metaverse. I mean, you know, if I saw you on the screen, I could say... Nicola meet me over here and you and I actually engaged in a conversation and it was where I first experienced it and it really worked it really people were like whoa I'm actually in the room with Nicola I'm actually in the room with Sally or Bobby or Billy or you know Mary and 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 yet I'm not I'm in California you're in London you're in Cleveland I mean you know it 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 actually does work Oh, it does. And that technology is already 18 months ago. And so it's already moved on. But you also asked something around about children. And actually, the metaverse offers the most extraordinary opportunities when it comes to to learning and to education and to bring it to life in a completely different way. Now, I don't know about you, but when when I was a kid, I was I was pretty obsessed with with ancient Rome, but also with the ancient Egyptians. And, you know, of course, you can go and visit and see the ruins today. But in the metaverse, you can actually kind of walk down the streets and imagine what it would have been like a couple of thousand years ago and really experience that vibrancy. I think it takes education to a whole new level of engagement uh, for young people. So I'm excited about how that's going to play out as well. Well, um, you know, it it is that moment and, and it's an inflection point for all of us as we are getting back to somewhat of a, as you said, normal or a new normal not sure what that means anymore, Uh, you know, because lots of what we experienced, we're not going to experience any longer, and we're going to experience new and different things. You know, if you look around the corner, it's exciting for me. So I want to go back. You know, Nicola, uh, 11 years ago, now almost 12 years ago, we led, as you might recall, you weren't at uh, Meta at that time, but MediaLink led one of the early digital journeys. And we did that for Unilever, and it became quite famous, uh, and and we were very honored to be part of it. Now, others had made the pilgrimage to Silicon Valley before, but it had never been done quite the way we did it. And the, the test case for us was Unilever, and you know, in those days, they were and still considered one of the more inventive and, and aggressive and forward-thinking marketers, understanding 
what digital meant, and I'm using the word digital, which of course is meaningless today, but then it wasn't, and we called it the digital journey. And we took them out to California, and we took the 40 you know, senior leaders. We spent time with all the tech companies. We went up to Seattle to visit the few that were up there, and the two then in Seattle that mattered to us were Amazon and, and Microsoft. And coming back to the Valley where we spent three days, I believe, and I could be wrong, it was Mark Zuckerberg's first real meeting with advertisers, which happened in May of 2010. Now, I'm sure that's not true, that it was his first meeting, but it was his first real meeting at that level with an advertiser on the scale and scope of Unilever. And Chris Cox and Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg came in and entertained the whole Unilever crew. And, you know, Facebook then was looking at advertising as a necessary evil, not the exciting part. That was how it felt. I think that was part of the transition to where Mark Zuckerberg and the leadership at Facebook embraced advertising and advertisers in a different way. And it's been a journey, God knows. Um, You know, back then, it was probably single-digit millions of dollars of advertising. Today, it's $90 you know, dollars of advertising or some crazy number, not crazy, a a wonderful number. That's been a journey. And there's been some speed bumps along the way. Let's be honest. There's been issues that have come up in in the conversations. But as you have now transitioned into your new role, what are you hearing from the marketers? What would you draw as the conversation on the one hand from the small and medium sized businesses and on the other hand from the large multinational advertisers? because both are critically important to Meta and to you. First and foremost, I want you to know that the people that partner with us matter disproportionately to us. And what we want to help to do is to help to be a place for them to connect with their customers, help them to grow, help them to transform. That's the business we're in, and that's the business that we care about. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversations that, uh, that I'm having. And, it, you know, it's the best bit of my job is when I get to be out with, with, with our partners, whether they're the smallest businesses on the planet or the largest businesses. I think there's a few themes um, that are coming through. And, and I'll leave kind of the, the far future and the metaverse uh, to the end. But what's on top of people's minds at the moment is very much the area of commerce. There's a bit of a step change that's happening now. And I think that's really been ignited through the pandemic in terms of people buying online and what people are comfortable buying online as well. You know, if you go back, you you talk 10 years ago, I don't think people could have imagined buying uh, clothes or big household items or even cars online. That, That all those barriers are gone. And what people now want to look for is, you know, what's the best way of doing that? What's the most frictionless way that a business can engage with a customer? That brings us on to so many new innovations in terms of how we're working closely with partners to be able to make that happen. Things like now that we're doing like live shopping, how brands can partner with creators. And we're putting a big investment, you know, billions of dollars into the creator economy and the creator universe is really important for us. Messaging. We've all run out of patience, right? We want things instantaneously. We want service to be fantastic. We don't want to sit on telephones anymore. May I interrupt just to tell you the mantra? You know, I'm, I'm in L.A. today uh, as we're doing this. You know the mantra in L.A. is instant gratification isn't quick enough. So, so. <laughs> you, you can steal that. I absolutely will. But it's true, isn't it? You don't want to be dialing one, dialing two for a different extension. I know what I want. I want to know where it is. If the product's coming, when's it going to get to me? And bringing all that together on, 
you know, on, on, on Messenger or in WhatsApp in different countries around the world just makes it so much easier. And so that's what we're in the business of, in, of trying to do, which is to help the partners that we have to be able to grow, reach new audiences in different ways. And that brings me then to the future in the metaverse, which the people that I'm talking to, the CEOs, the CMOs are unbelievably excited about this opportunity. Why? Because it's not just meta that's going to be building the metaverse. The metaverse is going to be built by so many, like the internet was, by so many different companies, organizations, charities, all entrepreneurs, all coming together to create it. And I think that that is very, very exciting. And there's going to be lots of opportunities uh, for brands. There's going to be lots of opportunities for people as well. And so one of the things that people are saying to me, well, what does the roadmap look like? What, what do I need to be doing today? You stole my next question. So oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to switch chairs with you. That's good. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what well, you know what they're, they're talking to you as well and, and looking to you for advice as to what to be doing here. And the vision that Mark's talking about here is probably some five to 10 years off. So we know where that's going to be. So it's about utilizing the tools that we have today to get comfortable. What do I mean by that? We already have uh, AR filters. We're already seeing um, businesses out there that are actually selling using them. So whether it's Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban has got a whole AR shop on its Instagram page where you can go on, try on the different you know, glasses and then click and buy. How wonderful and exciting is that? We're seeing the makeup brands like Charlotte Tilbury, Sephora, where you can go on and actually see what the different eyeshadows, what the lipsticks look like on you. Home improvements, we've seen the likes of Ikea. We've seen the likes of Walmart running ads where they've actually got the products in that you can take a picture. Uh, and those products are selling out because once it's in people's homes, then actually you can see exactly what no, it's going it, to be it, like. It lets your imagination run wild, but it fills in the blanks for you, obviously. Exactly. So there's so many things that people can be doing to get involved even today, in that journey towards building the metaverse that we're talking about. Nicola, it, it, last year, a lot of focus was on the, 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 the um, privacy issues and the change that happened with Apple and the operating system and the impact it had on small and medium-sized businesses, more than the large uh, multinationals, because the large multinationals have so much first-party data. And I know some of our listeners are going to probably glaze over on this, but these are such important issues that we're facing. And, you know, where I've seen the small and medium size are the SMBs who literally relied on Meta as their lifeblood. And some of those changes have made it more difficult, uh, you know, in targeting and other things that was, was the promise and the delivery of Facebook now Meta to the small, medium-sized businesses because what you allowed them to do, the democratization, was to level the playing field and, and play as smart as the big people, you know, as, as the big guys. And the change has had impact on small and medium-sized businesses. How is, that, how, is, how is that wrinkle getting ironed out? For, because I've heard, not as much recently, but in the earlier part, in the you know, kind of third quarter of last year, second quarter, third quarter, some of the small and medium-sized businesses were really squealing because it was having massive impact on their ability to market their, their goods and services. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Michael. And we were very clear that we felt that, you know, the impact would be felt 
in particular by all those small businesses um, around the world. So one of the things that we've been doing, and we've been very clear in setting out the roadmap, is around the fact that we believe in personalized advertising. We think it's a good thing. We think consumers love it. We know that businesses around the world love it as well. And so we've been working to make sure that we're developing new technologies, privacy-enhanced technologies, in order to address you know, some, of the, some of the changes that we saw. But I think it also speaks to, um, you know, when we're thinking about the, the creation of the metaverse and some of the guardrails that go, that go into this as well. And the fact that we absolutely do need to build in the principles of privacy and, you know, safety and security as well. Those things need to be built in right from the beginning, right from the start, because if we get the principles right, then I think that as a society, then we'll be better at tackling the new challenges with the technologies as they arise to learn the lessons from what has happened in, in the past and to go forwards. And so one of the things that we've done from a meta perspective is that we announced a two-year global investment of $50 million in programs and also in external research in order that we can go about being able to build um, the metaverse responsibly. And we want to work here with, and we are doing with people across the industry, civil rights groups, governments, nonprofits, academic institutions, and others to determine um, how these sorts of technologies should be built from the get-go. Well, it's, it, it's so important because we all have, have become so reliant on technology. As much as people say, I don't want to do it. I was at a, a breakfast this morning with somebody and and I said, well, you're aware of this or that. And the person said, no, no, no. I come to meetings without searching online at all. I like to form my own opinions. I don't want you know, a third-party search engine telling me what I should expect when I meet Michael Casson. I said, well, thank God, because <laughs> had you done that, you might have canceled the breakfast. No, but, 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 but seriously, and, but I'm not kidding, you know, there is that moment where you go, do we have too much information? Not, not me, because I'm, I'm starved for information. I'm a, you know, I, I've described my management style. I stole this from a mutual friend of ours named Wendy Clark, uh, but I describe my management style, and as Wendy taught me, as a micro knower, not a micro manager. So I like to know stuff, and you know, then I try to let people make their own decisions. But I like to know so I understand the levers and why people are making decisions in management. But, but that knowledge, that thirst, number one, and number two, look, I'm speaking personally here, as we always do, the, the gift of Facebook for me, the most important gift of Facebook for me was what I think Mark's original vision was, was connecting people. I mean, my entire life now is connected. My youth and my oath. Okay, like, the, you know, it, it, the people that I'm in touch with again that I had lost track of in my life, and I'm sure there are billions of stories like that, literally, it, it, it was a great gift for me. It, it connected my entire life. So I, I'm a happy meta uh, user uh, from that perspective. But I want to go back to advertising. You know, we've all grown up in this era on trying to search for the right device, the right time, the right message, the right context, the right person. And all of that is a wonderful thing to shoot for if you're a marketer and you want to make sure, if you're an auto manufacturer, you want to get that person when they're in market for the car. When you're, 
in whatever you want to make sure that if it's financial services, you want to make sure you're getting the person when they need a loan to buy a house or whatever it may be or for their business. But I've been a big believer there is still that moment and that desire for surprise and delight. Sometimes you think you're reaching the right person at the right time on the right device in the right context with the right message. And sometimes you want to surprise somebody who wasn't actually thinking about buying a new car or buying a new dress or buying a new something. And you get an ad in front of them and they go, whoa, I actually maybe do want to look at a new car. You talked about the creator economy. And we're at a moment where content and commerce are so inextricably linked. That's exciting to me and what you can do with content as you drive commerce, as you, you know, the other things that come off of that. The importance of content hasn't gotten lost, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know, talk about that for a moment in terms of how you look at that marriage of content and commerce. Oh, so many exciting things to share here. And you're right. The early days of, of the internet was very much, there was no serendipity. It was very much, I'm looking for this. And then you were served an ad up for that. We are now in a whole world that, that I'm thinking of as discovery commerce, where it's like, I didn't know I needed that. No, no, exactly. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I think, you know, so many of the people, I think, you know, the vast majority of people that are on Instagram have bought something as a result of an ad that they've seen on Instagram or because something that they've seen with a with a creator on, on Instagram. So it's definitely there, that serendipity. But that's when you can hone it in more and you can make it feel more personalized and get rid of the, the noise in the background that wouldn't work. I think of like my feed versus my son's feed. It's completely different uh, experiences or the stories that, you know, that we're seeing. But we're also seeing that the ways in which people tell stories is very different. So we're seeing a big shift. You know, you know, we've been going backwards and forwards, haven't we? The early days of Facebook were very text-based and then we moved to imagery and now we're in videos and augmented reality. But Reels is something that we're seeing that's really, really exciting. And so we're making a big investment here in video. And Reels is really, it's the largest contributor now to engagement growth um, on Instagram. What it means, we're making it easier for people to make and also watch great videos across all of our platforms. And these are some really significant changes that we're making on both Instagram uh, and Facebook as well in order to empower this creator economy, in order to help brands tell their stories, in order to help consumers to be able to get those messages. So all of this coming together is very dynamic. It's very fast moving and it's exciting, right? Because we're meeting people where they are. And remember, Michael, we always build. We always build for people first. Well, it's a great place to start. Nicola, I want to say two things. As you said, I didn't, need, I, I didn't know I needed an, uh, this product, but our audience, unfortunately, can't see that very, very cool microphone you have. So I have <laughs> microphone envy now. I need one of those. I mean, you know, I didn't think I did. I got a lot of microphones here, but not as cool as that one. I feel, uh, I, I feel microphone envy. I just want our, our listeners to know that. <laughs> Nicola, uh, you and I could and we will chat for hours. Nicola, I want to thank you for taking the time today. And, and even in this short period of time, you've, you've shined a light on so many things that are so critical to our audience. And look, I think our industry, and, and particularly now with you over here, is, is the beneficiary of more of Nicola Mendelssohn. And I'm excited. I know you've got a lot in front of you as you've taken on this, this much larger remit. And um, 
I just want to say thank you for bringing a, a fresh view. Your damn British accent makes it sound so, so good. Um, you know, I, I used to kid around with our mutual friend, Rob Norman, who everyone thought was so funny. I used to say, Rob, you're not that funny. It's just your British accent. It makes you sound funny. In your case, it just makes you sound smart. But the good news is you are. So, you know, the promise and the reality, you know, the fantasy and the reality have matched up well with Nicola Mendelssohn. So, um, look, I, I, I want you to promise me you're going to come back and do Padu of of good company because there's so much more I wanted to ask and I know we'll have the opportunity to do that but I want to thank you Nicola. Oh Michael thank you thank you for a giving me the time and if people are listening the thing that I would say is I'm here to, I'm new in uh, in America I am here to listen I'm here to learn but also I want to be the the bridge towards all these new different ideas that I and my teams that are working at Meta want to be able to hear for all of them so we're here to help you grow, to help inspire, and to build the metaverse together. Doesn't get more exciting than that, right? And and to have a few laughs on the way, Nicola. Oh, definitely. I'm going to hold you to that when I see you. Percent, Nicola, thank you. Thank you. I'm Michael Kasson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. 